In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Saints, this gospel lesson today is often referred to as the heart and the center of the gospel. It's called the gospel within the gospel. And in a string of three parables, three short stories, uh, today you heard the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, What comes before that is the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. And all three come back to back from from our Lord. That's the entire chapter of Luke 15. Uh, But in this string of three parables, the Lord Jesus reveals something that your soul and mind cannot figure out about God. And here he opens the deepest abyss of his fatherly heart and reveals the, the profound and unending love he has for lost and condemned sinners like me and you. So today the Lord teaches us what kind of God he is. And if Jesus' words here today don't melt your heart, uh, then I don't know what will. But for those of you who know your sin, today you will soon know your Savior. So Jesus gives these three parables, the parable of the lost sheep, uh, the lost coin, and then the lost son. Uh, and before getting further, we have to see what sets off this event, why Jesus says these parables. Uh, the, the, the people gathered around Jesus today, uh, they gathered there not to see a miracle, but to listen, to hear what he was saying. And it was a very specific group of people that was gathered there. Uh, it was tax collectors and sinners. That is, very notorious sinners. And these people were despised and cast out of the synagogues. They weren't even allowed to speak or associate with the Jews in any way. So when the Pharisees saw this, they saw that Jesus was in their midst. Uh, They complained. And they tried to discredit Jesus by saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So they're upset because Jesus is not only in the same vicinity as these wicked people, but because he is speaking to them. Now, uh, these people had their chance to be good in life, right? They could have made a better name for themselves than the name that they made. And we live in the same world as they do. We haven't fallen into the same sins and vices as they have. So, Jesus, why are you giving them another chance? They've wasted their time. They've lived shamelessly day after day for so many years. So just give them up. Now, this way of thinking comes really naturally to us. Uh, Very natural to sinful man. It's prevalent in every age. In fact, around 220 AD, there was a man named Novatus. And he had a group of followers that people refer to as the Novatians. But they refer to themselves as the clean ones or the pure ones. And they lived in a time of church persecution. So a lot of Christians were asked, uh, do you believe in Jesus? And if they said yes, then they would be killed on the spot. Well, a lot of selfish and weak Christians did deny Jesus so they wouldn't have to die. And this is, in fact, a, a very terrible sin. This is awful. Now, some of them would realize that after the fact, and they were weighed down by their guilt and their shame, and then they would go back to the church and they would repent. They didn't deny what they did. They didn't make an excuse for rejecting Jesus, but they'd admit their sin. They'd admit that they denied the Lord and they'd repent of it and they would amend their life. And then these poor Christians who were truly repentant, fully admitting the truth, 
clearly confessing their sins, begging to be in the church and hear the word of God. And what do you think the novation said? They said, no, (laughs) you had your chance and you blew it. You cannot be forgiven. It is impossible. And it's not because you're not really sorry, because you are, or because you're not really repenting, because you are, but it's because your sin is so great that God will not forgive it. In fact, he doesn't want to. You had a chance, and it's gone. So nowadays you hear the false doctrine, once saved, always saved. Uh, This is not true. It is false. Don't believe it and don't say it. But you could say that the Novations had their own different version of this, that it was once lost, always lost. Once you fell from grace, then you were always gone from it. If you fall into sin, into terrible sin, even if you're repentant and admit it, then they say there's no forgiveness for this. You are lost forever. Just live out the best, uh, your life the best as you can, uh, but there's no hope God won't receive you back. Now, the reason many believe this is because it made sense. <laughs> and this is the, the God they thought they had. So I'm, I'm sure that you're not hearing this being preached from pulpits anymore, at least explicitly. I, I hope I'm right on this. <laughs> um, but you've heard this sermon before, haven't you? You've heard this teaching. That's because if you yourself haven't said it to others then I know that you have at least once preached it to yourself. That you've preached it to yourself in some way or know someone who has. I know you have because I have done it too. I've preached this to myself. I've fallen into this thinking and this mentality, this false opinion about God, and you have too. And maybe some of you are preaching this to yourself even now. In fact, that's what happens in the third parable, the parable of the prodigal son, the one you heard today. It's what the, parable, it's what the prodigal son is preaching to himself. So remember, the young man goes up to his father. He's tired of living under the roof, under his father's laws. He wants to make a name for himself. So he goes up to his father and says, look, dad, I know that one day you're going to die. And when you die, you're going to leave me a bunch of stuff. So instead of waiting until you die, just give it to me now so I can enjoy it. In other words, he doesn't want the father anymore. He wants the father's stuff, the things he gives. And so this son leaves his father's house and he leaves his father and he takes all of the things that the father gives him and he lives in his own way by his own rules. He does whatever he wants. He wastes everything the father gives him and he uses it shamefully with a reckless life. He's promiscuous. He is selfish. He gambled it away. He bought into drugs and addiction. He lived a filthy and embarrassing life. He gave into all kinds of lust, all kinds of materialism. Things he, he did things that he knew was wrong. He was covetous and he was gluttonous. And then when everything he had was gone, his friends were gone too, and they left him in his poverty and his emptiness. And he was lost and he was coveting what the pigs were eating. So this poor and wasteful son realizes what he's done. 
that he brought this miserable condition upon himself. He knows that he's unworthy to be called a son. So he tells his father, he tells himself that his father won't receive him back, but maybe he can work his way back into his home and be an employee of some sort. So if he just works hard enough, then the father will take him back in. And this is what the son preaches to himself. He says, look, my father's not going to accept me. I've fallen way too far for that. I've done too many shameful things. I've been too wasteful, too foolish, and too sinful. And this is what you have said to yourselves as well. Especially after sins that you know were wrong. That you knew were wrong going into it. You who are baptized into Christ in his home have fallen away from your dear Father in heaven before. And you take what the Lord gives you and you squander it. You waste this life in sin and degradation. You've turned your back to the church, gone out into the world in the same excess of riot and lust and drunkenness, idolatry. You've gone out, you've denied your Father in heaven before the face of others. You've despised your baptism. You've lived shamefully and done things you're embarrassed to even speak of. And what the Father does to the Son is what your dear Father in heaven does for you. He sits by the window of his home, the church, looking for you every day. And there he sees you off in the distance, lost, dirty, filthy, covered in shame and vice. And his heart is filled with the deepest sympathy and love. And he sees you telling yourself these things about him, how you will work for his love, how you will make it up to him, how you will do something to please him, to have a place in his home again. And the father sees you and he runs to you and he throws his arms around you, embraces you, and he gives you more than you've ever lost. And this, dear saints, is who God is. His love is deeper than your sin. No matter how far you've wandered from the Lord, not one of you, not one of you has wandered so far that he will not go and get you. There is no crime so great, no sin so evil, no wickedness so terrible that the Lord himself has not and will not Forgive completely, fully. It is not that your sin isn't evil or that the things you've done aren't shameful or embarrassing or that they're not serious. They are. In fact, they are. But the reason Jesus forgives your sin is not because it's not actually wicked or awful. Rather, the reason Jesus forgives your sin is because his grace and mercy are abounding and that they are greater than your sin. The love in his heart is greater than the sin in yours. Jesus knows your sin and your sins have and he knows that your sins have not only hurt your neighbor, but they've hurt him. And he knows the sins that grieve you, the ones that haunt you, the ones that come up in your mind and memory all of the time. And yet there is nothing more that he wants in this life than to forgive you, than to wipe away your tears and to open up his arms and receive you again. This is the God we have. 
a God who does not shy away from the manger or the cross. He loses his life to find you. (laughs) We have a God who is not merciful just one time, giving one chance or two chances or three chances, but one whose mercy is new every single morning. We have a God who will leave everything he has to find a wandering sheep. We have a God who will turn the world upside down to find you lost. We have a God who doesn't wait for you to come to him, but one who runs out to you. Jesus looks for those who wandered away, and today he found you. So no matter what you've done, no matter what you're guilty of, how badly you've sinned against your wife, your husband, your children, your neighbor, how many drugs you've been addicted to, how many times you've given into drunkenness, how many times you've given into lust and fornication and adultery, how many lives you've taken, how many lives you've ruined, no matter how many times you've done it on accident, no matter how many times you've done it on purpose, the Lord himself finds you and he welcomes you and he does not turn you away when you come to him in repentance and faith. In fact, he waits for you and he anticipates you. He has prepared himself for you, counting the days, looking forward to see you again. When you come in repentance, admitting your fault, admitting your sin, your guilt, the Lord will not turn you away. He will forgive you. There's no question if he does. The question is not on how great your sin is, but how great your Savior is. And when you fall again into sin this week and this month and this year and for the rest of this life, when you fall and fall again, don't you for a second think that the Lord is not here waiting for you, waiting to forgive you, waiting with a banquet for you. He loves you. When you fail to be the son that you ought to be, hold the wounds of Christ before you, before your eyes. When you wander away from the faith and the word, when you're lost again, the Lord will find you in his word. And he will not give up until he does. When he sees you in the distance, he will welcome you again and again and again and again and again. No matter how many times you repent, the Lord will forgive you. Amen. Hear the words of this hymn. My sin and guilt are plaguing me. O grant me true contrition. And by your death upon the tree, your pardon and remission. Before the Father's throne above, recall your matchless deed of love, that he may lift my dreadful load O Son of God, I plead the grace your death bestowed. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.